0: This morning what I'd like to do is take some time to uh, just reflect on the holidays themselves based on the text of scripture. So turn with me please to the book of Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus 23, so if you start at the front of the text, the Congregational Tanakh, and you move forward, you'll see there's Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 23, and we're going to begin... Right at the beginning. Chapter 23, beginning in the beginning. And every year I like to go through this passage and just remind us of the holidays. The very basic biblical instruction. All right, there are for us as Jewish people all kinds of holidays. New calendars are available if you want to uh, take one home and see all the different things on those calendars. But in the biblical text there are seven major holiday slash events. That uh, God has commanded us to observe and to remember, and so we have three of them. The major ones are, of course, uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And then in the fall, or I'm sorry, the spring. It's Passover, or actually, it's unleavened bread, Pesach, unleavened bread, first fruits, and and Shavuot. Uh, so, but this morning again, what I want us to do is focus on these three holidays. But first, look at. Uh, the, uh, the beginning concept which is Shabbat. So take a look chapter 23 verse 1 it says then Adonai spoke to Moses saying speak to B'nai Israel, and tell them these are the appointed Mo'adim of Adonai which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations my Mo'adim work may be done for six days but the seventh day is a Shabbat of solemn rest a holy convocation you are to do no work it is a Shabbat to Adonai in all your dwellings so here we have, at the very beginning, a problem. <laughs> a problem. The problem of setting a time aside for God, setting aside time for God. And uh, this is always, uh, you know, when I always talk about Jewish life, I always talk about the fact that being a Jew is a very difficult thing. Especially when all the rest of the world is living to a completely different set of priorities. It's like being a follower of the Messiah Yeshua. It's like following the God of Israel. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. Following God in our world is basically challenging us to live based on a completely different set of priorities. So it's a bit messy. It's messy. How many of you like things that are complicated, that are messy? Anybody here like complicated things? Few of you do. (laughs) I kind of picked you guys out already. Yes. Yeah, it's a challenge. When I was in business years ago, one of the sayings that we had is, uh, it goes in a row, Barry you can probably relate to this buyers are liars and talk is cheap and the best, the best deals are messy ok they're messy because they're complicated you have to put them together you know and, and they, they've, got, they've got so many variables to them but if you're in business you know that sometimes those are the most the most uh, profitable deals you know you get all these different pieces working together and boom You can retire to the Bahamas, okay? Uh, It's messy. Um, If you want to think about other messinesses of life, you know, marriage can be messy. You know, it's much easier if you're one of those individuals that like everything in exactly the same place. You don't want people leaving a mess in the sink. You want to make sure that the floors are always clean. Marrying usually means you marry someone who's more opposite than like you. So if you like everything clean and organized, you're probably going to marry somebody who's not as organized. Maybe not even as clean. Right? Anybody out there want to agree with that? I know, yeah, I know that uh, my wife is not as, as utilitarian as I am. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I want everything to function, you know. So she's different. She kind of messes up my sink, you know. So it's a little messy. And then kids, oh my goodness! You know, if you are somebody who wants everything your way, forget it! Don't get married, don't have kids. Kids especially. Kids are really messy. Especially when they're younger, but they're actually really bad when they're teenagers. Okay? Teenagers! Teenagers, not only are they independently thinking, but usually their bodies are all crazy, their minds are all crazy, so things really get messy, you know? But, what's the benefit of all of that? Relationship, love, you know, you know, the realities of life. You can't live in your little cave all by yourself forever. I mean, you could, but you really limit life. Living life is messy because it involves people, generally. Living lives God's way always is messy. Because God expects us to involve people. He expects us to live within community. He expects us to follow His priorities, not our own. And so the holidays give us an opportunity as Jewish people to really understand and appreciate what it means to really live life. To really live life. Not just to kinda go through in some, you know, robotic kinda fashion living the holidays give us the opportunity to really appreciate life. And so we're going to take a look at these texts. Again, taking a look one more time at verses 1 through 3, and then going into the holidays. Because even though it may seem to you to be, boy, there's a lot of boundaries and structures and rules, all of this is to encourage us to really live life and life to its fullest. So again it says Adonai said speak to the sons of Israel and tell them these are the appointed Moedim the holidays, these days set aside which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations meaning they are sanctified gatherings opportunities for communal get togethers my Moedim, my festivals work may be done for six days but the seventh day is is a Shabbat of solemn rest a holy gathering you are to do no work it says Shabbat to what an eye in all your dwellings. Here we have the whole concept of Shabbat. Once a week, we're gathered together communally for the purpose of being together, for the purpose of worshiping God. That's a command from God for us. As Jewish people, the Shabbat is a sign between God and Israel. And as some people have said, even though the Jewish people didn't necessarily uh, keep the Shabbat, the Shabbat has kept the Jews. Because it forced us to be different. And it forced us to gather together. Sometimes we did it because we knew it was a safe place in a very dangerous world. Other times we do it just because it's a way to communally gather. We need to prioritize the gathering together with one another. For our spiritual well-being, absolutely. But also for our social well-being. I think sometimes as we get older, we get tired, we get cratchety, and we just kind of burrow ourselves away. You know, everything I read in all the thick books by the shrink says that's not a good thing. We need to engage with other people. We need to be in community. And we need to seek to develop authentic community one with another. Because it's, with, it's within community that we're truly connecting with one another. We're relationally really being stretched As well as stretching others. We're encouraging others as well as being encouraged ourselves. But we have to prioritize it. It has to be something that we see, even as the text talks about, as a command for our good. Because it's helping us to really live life. And life to the fullest. Each of these holidays are, in essence, times when we are together, times to get together, times to encourage, to be encouraged, times to be challenged in terms of our personal relationship with God, our personal receptivity to God's instruction. So take a look at, at the first, uh, the holidays. We're just going to read through this briefly. Middle of page 148, fall festivals, it should say it in your text, beginning in verse 23. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to B'nai Israel, saying in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you are to have a Shabbat rest, a memorial of blowing shofarot, a holy convocation. You are to do no regular work, and you are to present an offering made by fire to Adonai. Now if you were here for Rosh Hashanah services, you know we had long services. And all of that is traditional. We also had a great Kiddush, because we know how to eat in this community, all right? So when you really look at this text, what it talks about is a gathering on, this, in the, on the first day of the seventh month, and it's a big long discussion, I'll simply say, Rosh Hashanah, from, in the perspective of modern Jewish thought, is Jewish New Year's, but in the biblical text it is the, it's the first day of the seventh month. The biblical text counts the Jewish year as uh, starting in Nisan, which is around pay what 's right near Passover before Passover, somewhere around March or April, okay, but due to the uh, Babylonian captivity and the influence from the Persian Empire, uh, the Jewish community adopted the first day of the seventh month as our day for civil new year, and so that 's what we call Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. And we get together and have long services because it's tradition. But we blow shofar at Rosh Hashanah because it's commanded. God commands us as Jews to blow the shofar. And again, it was great having Nathan and Michael uh, blowing shofars on uh, Rosh Hashanah. And they're going to blow it again for Nila as we conclude the holiday uh, before we get to break the fast. Now, what is the value of uh, Rosh Hashanah? The tradition of our people has developed in such a way that Rosh Hashanah is the challenge for us to prepare ourselves for Yom Kippur. It really is, as we talked about, you see it in the liturgy, if you were here again, it's all about contemplation. In fact, these, all these days between Rosh Hashanah, as I said, and Yom Kippur are to consider our relationship with God, to contemplate our sin. You might say, what is sin? What is sin? Well, killing people is sin. You're here today, so the odds are, I don't see anybody around here who's killed anybody. Uh, you know, stealing is sin. Maybe you've never stole much more than a pencil, but it's still stealing. Yeshua the Messiah said that if you think uh, badly of somebody, you it's like you're killing them. All right, uh, In Jewish tradition it says, slander is like taking a life. And so sometimes we have a very high view of sin where we think it's high above us, and we're not that bad. We need to have a very low view of sin. Sin which is, is, it's all in our mind. You know, it's it's uh, the attitude of our lives. And do do the thoughts of our minds, do the attitude of our lives, are they consistent with what God would want us to do? Is it consistent with who, who God wants us to be? This time of year is a time to contemplate that. Again, to consider our priorities. To consider our obedience to God's instruction. To consider our generosity to those around us. To consider our patience as an individual. To consider the words that come out of our mouths. Are they positive, uplifting, or are we a negative kind of a a browbeating kind of an individual? To consider our taxes. Are we paying all that Uncle Sam expects us to? To consider our values. Are we really individuals that have values consistent with God's expectations? So all of that, things for us to continue. What is really nice to know is that through our faith in Messiah Yeshua, that during this time of contemplation and consideration, of preparation for, for Yom Kippur, that God forgives sin. If we confess our sin, He, God, is faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Messiah Yeshua came, His blood was shed so that our sins would be forgiven. We simply have to accept the atonement He's provided. We have to simply believe on His death and what He did so that we might have forgiveness of sin. It's a very, very biblical concept. You know, uh, Bob's going to be uh, given the Yom Kippur drosh. And uh, part of what occurs in the uh, tradition when the temple stood is that people, uh, uh, people made sacrifice trusting that in obedience to the slaughtering of the animal and the shedding of the animal's blood, God would forgive their sin. And Yom Kippur... An animal is killed, their blood shed, and then offered on the Holy of Holies with the understanding that God would forgive the sin of corporate Israel. And so, Messiah Yeshua coming, dying for our sin, taking upon himself our sin through his death, atonement is possible for all those who will believe on him. Believe on his atoning sacrifice believe that indeed his death paid the price for their sin and that's something that you've never done I encourage you to consider that just like in the Hebrew Scriptures you can't earn your salvation you cannot earn your own atonement you must believe in a sacrifice so today each individual must believe have faith in a sacrifice and the only sacrifice that's available today is a sacrifice of our Messiah Yeshua. Now Yom Kippur As it says, let's read the text, beginning in verse 26. It says, Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, However, the tenth day of the seventh month is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation to you. You are to afflict yourselves. You are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You are not to do any kind of work on this set uh, set day. For it is Yom Kippur, to make atonement for you before Adonai your God. For anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. Anyone who does any kind of work on that day That person I will destroy from among his people. You should do no kind of work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It is to be a Shabbat of solemn rest for you and you are to humble yourselves on the ninth day of the month in the evening. From evening until the evening you are to keep your Shabbat. You are to keep this day. And so Yom Kippur, when we always, you know, if you grew up religious and you think about Yom Kippur, you think of really long services. You think of fasting. Nothing fun whatsoever. It's, uh, it's, it's this this very rigidly solemn day it's not bad uh... there's a book written uh... not well, a long time ago about how we're entertaining ourselves to death in america You know, everything is funny everything is entertaining i was talking to an israeli guy uh... and uh... we were having dinner together and he said you know what's wrong with all my friends in israel israel all the problems going on all they talk about are things that are like eating out or, or entertaining type of things. What's wrong with them? And I said, well they're all in denial. No, they're all just really trying to forget about reality and they're just seeking entertainment and food and fun to just kind of mask what is really difficult circumstances. It's nice to have a day on the calendar where we set everything aside including pleasure. We set everything aside and we contemplate who we are in relationship in relation to the God who made us. If you want a good reality check in life, take eight hours, set everything aside, and consider who you really are and who you are in relationship to the God who made you. That's Yom Kippur. The Jewish tradition has been to fast uh, ever since the time, uh, well, we know for sure uh, during the second, or first temple period, so go back over 800 years where the people would fast on this day and set this day aside that's the form of affliction. Today uh, of course there's all kinds of traditional elements uh, related to the words pleasure but uh, certainly the idea is to set work aside the normal realities of the day uh, and to not eat and to come to services, and to reflect upon the liturgy, and to give real thought as to our lives and the sin in our lives. It says in the book of Psalms that if we regard sin in our hearts, God does not hear our prayers. I would say that the only prayer God hears from an individual who is really struggling with sin is the prayer, God help me. God help me. God, forgive me. God, help me to to deal with my sin. That prayer, God God hears. But if we instead, you know, uh, rejoice in our sin or or kind of uh, uh, enjoy it, uh, then um, I I think that really blocks all of our, our prayer. It inhibits our ability to be in relationship with God. Yom Kippur is a holiday of contemplation. And in our synagogue, of course, we always emphasize Yeshua's atonement for our sin. Maybe you're here and nobody raises a hand. You're here and you're like, I really struggle with sin. I struggle with it. I confess it, and yet I continue to struggle with it. You ever wonder if God gets fed up with your sin? You ever wonder if God says, you know what? I've had to forgive you now two dozen times over this same sin. Do you ever think again that God might just say, enough already? God is amazingly gracious, much more than you and I. God forgives. As I quoted earlier from the book, book of 1 John, if we confess our sin, He will forgive us. There's another verse I want to read from 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. <clears throat> another encouraging uh, set of text. He says, I wrote these things to you who believe in the name of Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. For those of us who have confessed our sins, for those of us who have accepted Messiah Yeshua, there is the assurance of relationship with God that will not end. That's a tremendous encouragement for us. But Yom Kippur is a great opportunity for us, though, to spend extra time contemplating. Where we're at in relationship to God. Do we really prioritize Him the way He wants us to? Do we really spend the time regularly, not on the holidays, thinking about Him? Choosing to live for Him? Especially in the private areas of our life, which nobody sees. Now you may say, well what's this have to do with living real life? It's because Moments of contemplation are reality checks. They're very important. The older you get, the more life becomes rote. And you can go through 10 or 20 or 30 years really fast without giving much thought to your life. You just kind of get into that that wheel and start running. Yom Kippur is the opportunity to get out of the wheel. (laughs) Settle everything down. Really think about where you're at. What does God expect of me? What is real life all about anyway? I encourage you to take advantage of that on Yom Kippur. synagogue will be open all day. There are all sorts of places to just think. I encourage you to make use of that day and consider what it means to really live life. The last holiday uh, is the holiday of Sukkot. Beginning in verse 33, it says, Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to of Israel and say, On the 14th day of this seventh month is the feast of Sukkot. For seven days to Adonai, on the first day there is a holy conv- convocation. You are to do no laborious work. For seven days you are to bring an offering by fire to Adonai. The eighth day will be a holy convocation to you, and you are to bring in an offering by fire to Adonai. It is a solemn assembly. You should do no laborious work. These are the Moadim of Adonai, which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations, to present an offering by fire to Adonai, a burnt offering, a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offering, each on its own day, besides those of the Shabbatot of Adonai, and besides your gifts, all your vows, and all your freewill offerings, which you give to Adonai. So on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruits of the land, you are to keep the feast of Adonai for seven days. The first day is to be a Shabbat rest, And the eighth day will also be a Shabbat rest. On the first day you are to take choice fruit of trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and rejoice before Adonai your God for seven days. You are to celebrate it as a festival to Adonai for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever. Throughout your generations you are to celebrate it in the seventh month. You are to live in Sukkot for seven days. All the native born in Israel are to live in Sukkot. So your generations may know that I had the Bnei Yisrael, I had Bnei Yisrael to dwell in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. So this holiday of Sukkot is obviously this Jewish camping holiday when we're supposed to live in temporary dwellings for seven days and learn to appreciate all that God has given us. I, uh, my wife does her every once in a while garage sale. I hate garage sale. In fact, the one thing I love about the garage sale is when I've got really not much to do, which is only like one day a week on my day off, it she, uh, she does these garage sales, I talk to people. I'm not allowed to talk at all about money, because she doesn't want me to tell anybody what anything is worth, because I'll sell it for a, a dollar or a penny or anything. Just get it out of my house, right? But I'm talking to this one woman who's a Syrian. She lives across the street, okay, uh, from our house. And uh, I mean, I noticed a couple of weeks ago, all of a sudden like five cars show up in front of my house because they're all parking on my street because she lives on a busy street. So I'm talking to her and say, what's going on here? And we're talking and then we're talking about Syria because her family, they're all from Syria and they're talking about about people getting killed and all this stuff. The one guy who's come, who's living with them right now, rolls up his sleeve and shows me his arm. And I guess the Assyrians are into tattoos, although Jewish people should not use tattoos. But anyway, so he rolls up his sleeve. He's got a big cross on his arm. He says, in Syria, you do this right now, you're dead. They just kill you. We're so lucky here. When's the last time you got down on your knees and you thank God that you don't live in Sudan? Or... Iraq, or even the former Soviet Union, which has got all kinds of problems. Alright? Some of us are, I know I have roots back there, but let's say, America is truly a much better place. Are we thankful for what God has done for us? In, In allowing us to live in an environment where we're at, just an environment. America's not the best country in the world, but nobody's coming to your door and painting a swastika on it. No one is making you wear a patch. There's still rule of law. It's a great place. You can get a job. You have to pay taxes, but not as bad as Canada. Although the winter sports are probably good up there. But, do we really appreciate what we have and what God has given us? Do we realize that all we have is a gift from God? Do you realize you didn't choose to be born here? You were born here. Sukkot is a wonderful holiday for us to demonstrate appreciation. We do that by celebrating the holiday. I encourage you to build a sukkah if you are able to in your place where you live. Otherwise to come to the synagogue and sit in the sukkah or you can even come to my house and sit in my sukkah. Just let me know if you're gonna come and bring some food to share. But the point is to take time to appreciate all that you have. Your health another thing you really can't control too much about, so much is genetic, to really thank God for your family, to thank God for your job if you have one that you really like, or to thank God for the job that you have because you can't find anything else. To demonstrate appreciation. Living really, really living life is learning to appreciate the intangibles that we all take for granted. Like friendships. The holiday of Sukkot also reminds us that at times we're just a little bit too flippant when it comes to our plans. I like reading this passage from the book of James in the New Covenant text, James chapter uh, 4. Here it's James 4, verse 13. It says come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yeah, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. What is your life? For you are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you want to say if the Lord wills we will live and also do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, whoever knows the right thing to do and does not do it, for him it is sin. We need to learn to really appreciate all that God has provided for us. And we need to be careful that as we live our lives that we're not so arrogant as to think that we can control all the variables. Going back to to my earlier illustration, I had a tremendous, tremendous uh, business deal going. This is, you know, 25 years ago now. Tremendous business deal going. One of the biggest that my company would have seen. And everything was done. Everything was perfect. Except for uh, somebody sent a a final piece of test material. And it was bad. (laughs) And they lost confidence in the deal and the whole thing died. Very frustrating. Do you think you really control everything in your life? Too many of us do. We need to appreciate that God controls everything. Because He is God. We are not. And so we rely on Him. We appreciate all that He has done. We cry out to Him and ask Him to lead our paths, direct our steps. If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. All comes from the understanding of appreciation. Learning to really live life by appreciating how little we actually control. Something to think about. Well, in these holidays, for the next few weeks, I want to give you a couple of challenges in conclusion. Are you obedient to God's command when it comes to observe the Shabbat? Do you set the day aside? Do you prioritize the coming into this synagogue and for the worship of the Lord your God with other people? Do you prioritize (laughs) gathering with other people? Is that important to you? Are you analyzing your life? Have you spent time lately sitting on the proverbial couch talking to God asking Him or expressing to Him thoughts, concerns are you living out a life of, of repentance, daily repentance contemplating, what is it in my life that displeases God, what, what is it that I need to change how are you demonstrating your trust and reliance on God for all that you have how are you relying on Him we do some of that through giving Giving through tithing, through giving. But also can be seen in generosity to other people. It's also seen in giving of our time. Assuming responsibilities that don't necessarily benefit us, benefit the community, or benefit other people. All of these are related to the very simple reality of living life. Life is messy. Living real life is messy, but it is worth it. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the challenge of your scriptures. We thank you uh, so much, God, for the fact that through our Messiah, Yeshua, we can be in relationship with you as through his death our sins are forgiven. God, I pray that we would choose to live life your way, that we would live it to the fullest based on your instruction. Help us, God. Guide us. Strengthen us. Help us to be an encouragement to one another in all these things. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.